helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. I want to thank you for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, How to Conquer the Demons of Your Past. Have you ever felt like you are haunted by the demons of your past? Do you feel like you are stuck in dysfunction that seems to follow you around wherever you go? Have you ever felt like you end up dating the same type of dysfunctional person, even though you're trying your best to find someone who will respect you? Do you feel like you have a label on you that says, use me? Because wherever you go, you run into people who take advantage of you and don't seem to care about your feelings. Well, if you can identify with any of these patterns, or if you have some other dysfunctional pattern that seem to persist in your life, this show is for you. In part one of this two-part series, we will use Jacob's experience in Genesis chapter 27 to 31 to highlight five ways to tell if you are stuck in a dysfunctional pattern and how to overcome them. In part two, we will go into more practical steps that will cover techniques for conquering the demons of your past. And we will be extrapolating in part one, mainly from Genesis chapter 27 to 31, as we look at Jacob's life and show that Jacob was stuck in a pattern of dysfunction that even though he went to another country, he was still repeating the same unwanted patterns. In the book of Genesis chapter 27, it, we see the dysfunction in Jacob's home life beginning to unfold. At that time, Jacob is approximately 40 years old. So it's important for us to keep that in mind, because sometimes when we read that passage, we get the feeling that Jacob is a teenager and that his mother was telling him what to do. But Jacob, at that point in the biblical narrative, is 40 years old, and he's been coerced by his mother, Rebecca, to steal his brother Esau, Esau's birthright. In other words, he was being used by his mother to steal his brother's identity by deceiving their father, Isaac, into giving him his brother's inheritance. So Jacob is about to steal his brother's inheritance at the prompting and direction of his mother at 40 years old. In the biblical narrative, we see that when Esau realized that his brother had stolen his inheritance, that he, the Bible says he burned with anger and he threatened to kill Jacob. But there was a, a specification in how he planned to kill him, or I should say, when he planned to kill him. In other words, Esau was not planning to kill him right away. Esau said, as soon as my father 
pass away. I'm going to kill my brother. Maybe he didn't want to cause his father the grief of hearing that his son Jacob had been killed by him. And so Esau is planning that his father is going to die soon. Apparently his father was very elderly and sickly, and he was about to die soon. And so Esau is saying, as soon as my father passed away, pass away, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. So in that narrative, while he's planning this murder and in anger, and apparently he's talking out loud what he's planning to do, his mother overhears the conversation. And in an attempt to prevent the bloodbath that was about to happen, she tells Jacob to run away to his uncle Laban and to stay there, quote, for a while, until she sends words to him that Esau's anger had cooled down. The author of the narrative skillfully shows us a family in crisis and pinpoints the wrong assumptions that they make as a means of trying to deal with the anxiety caused by that crisis. Let's look at their assumptions. First, Esau assumes that his father would die soon. He said, quote in Genesis 27 verse 40, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Esau was wrong because 20 years later, his father would still be alive. Similarly, Rebecca's anxiety also led to wrong assumptions. Firstly, like Esau, she assumed that the death of her husband Isaac was imminent. Hence the need to send Jacob away to run away to his uncle Laban for safety as quickly as possible. So that's the first wrong assumption by Rebecca. The second wrong assumption is that Rebecca that Rebecca made was her assumption that Jacob would only need to stay at his uncle Laban for a short time. Notice her words to Jacob in Genesis 27, 44 and 45. Stay with him, that is, her, that is his uncle Laban, for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets that what, that what you did to him, I'll send words for you to come back from there. Well, this was a big mistake because a while turned into 20 years. And by the time Jacob would return, Rebecca had passed away. In other words, she never saw her beloved son again as a result of a decision she made while in a state of anxiety. This story is a good example of wrong decisions and the choices that people make when they are faced with traumatic or distressing situations. One general rule that we go by in counseling is that you should not make long-term decisions while you are in a state of panic. Decisions that are rooted in fear and anxiety are never well thought out, and usually results in actions that have far-reaching negative 
consequences. Just to be clear, after I have said that, let me just clarify here that by saying this, I am not advocating for victims of domestic and verbal abuse to stay in relationships where they are being abused. In some cases, fleeing is necessary. However, all psychologists agree that women planning to leave abusive relationships should have a plan of exit that is discussed with others who have their interest at heart. In the story above, these decisions were made solely on emotions. As the story unfolds in the book of Genesis, we see Jacob fleeing from his homeland of Beersheba to his uncle Laban in Padam Aram, a distance of about 500 miles. So we see he's running, he's fleeing to another country 500 miles away to escape a home situation. The problem with running from your problem is that you may physically leave the problem behind, but you take the dysfunction with you. It is still in your mental state. It is still in your subconscious. Also, I should point out here that running from your problem does not have to be a physical moving away from the situation as in the case of Jacob. Running from your problem can mean that you're still in that place, but in your mind you're detached, you're in this place of denial where you're refusing to acknowledge what is going on around you and you're not dealing with the dysfunction. The opposite of running away is confronting and dealing with the pain, the shame, and the emotional hurt in such a way that you conquer them instead of them becoming strongholds in your life. A victim of physical abuse, for example, who flees from her abuser can still be trapped mentally by what was suffered in the relationship unless they take the steps to confront and conquer the demons of the past. So as we look at the story of Jacob and what unfolds, we will see that after Jacob's emotional response, that he ended up repeating certain patterns because he took the dysfunction with him to a country 500 miles away. So in this show today, How to Conquer the Demons of Your Past, we're going to be highlighting some examples from Jacob's life that shows that he was running away from the situation, but the dysfunction was still with him. So firstly, we we, when we run away from a, a situation where there is dysfunction, or we run away from a trauma by not dealing with it, and working through it, the first point is that we attract the very thing that we are fleeing from. Jacob was fleeing from family drama, and he ended up marrying into a family that mirrored his family. Let us look at the striking similarities between the family he married into and his family. A. He had a controlling and deceiving mother. And that mother was replaced by a controlling and unjust father-in-law. Secondly, 
B, there was, this, there was sibling rivalry in Jacob's home life between Jacob and Esau, his brother. And that sibling rivalry is mirrored in the family he married into because now there is sibling rivalry between Leah, between the two sisters, Leah and Rachel. And see, we see that he had deceived his brothers at his mother's request, and now he's marrying into a family where Leah deceives her sister at her father's request. The next striking similarity that we see is that he fled from an angry brother, but attracted angry brothers-in-law. In Genesis 31, we read that Jacob heard that Lab what that when Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob had taken everything our father owned, and he has gained all the wealth from what belonged to our father. And then Jacob noticed the attitude toward him from Laban was not what it had been. So we have a home situation now where Jacob's Jacob's brother-in-laws are feeling that he has now stolen their birthright in the same way that he stole his brother's Esau's birthright. And these similarities are very striking. And I see the same thing today in people who do not deal with the trauma of their past. They're, they're running away from a situation without working through it, without dealing with it. And what they end up doing is that these demons follow them. The demons of their past follow them wherever they go, and they end up repeating the same situation. They end up in the same drama. They end up in the same dysfunction. So people who haven't conquered the demons of their past will find future relationships that are similar to what they are trying to escape from. So how does this happen? Is it a literal demonic attack or is it something psychological? While there might be some debate, people who do healing retreats like myself or people who believe in the spiritual will say that there is a spiritual dimension. But people who are psychologists or psychotherapists, and I'm also a psychotherapist, will also say that there is an emotional component. So I think the answer is that they're both. They're both correct. There is a spiritual component and there is an emotional or psychological component. So your past will follow you around if you don't deal with it. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Healing Counseling Services has been using the scripture from Genesis 27 to 31 to speak on the topic, How to Conquer the Demons of Your Past. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-204-2914, where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. The second point is that when you run from your past instead of conquering and working through it, you will end up displacing 
are projecting your emotions on the wrong people. So let me explain what I mean by that. So in the example, we see that Jacob was hurt by his mother. His mother was the one who deceived him into tricking his brother and ending up creating that mess in his life where he's now running away and he's not able to see his father or his brother again for 20 years. So Jacob is carrying this anger with him. But this anger is now displaced where he's now angry at Leah, who was also a victim of her father's plot to deceive. It was Jacob who hated, it was Leah who Jacob hated, when in fact the root of his anger may have been towards his mother, or it could be directed appropriately at his uncle Laban, because Leah was a victim of her father's plot, in the same way that Jacob was a victim of his mother's plot. And so you would think that Jacob would would say, uh, I'll have empathy on Leah because she's caught in the same situation that I was caught in. And I know what it is like to have a controlling parent who is directing your life and you feel powerless to do the opposite. But no, the Bible tells us that he hated Leah. So Jacob could have this strong hatred to Leah because Leah is reminding him of the deception and the hurt that his mother caused him. So we know from the biblical narrative that Jacob's anger towards Leah was unjust. The Bible tells us that when God saw the anger that Jacob had towards Leah, he stepped in and he gave Leah favor so that she was able to conceive and bear children for Jacob, even though he hated her, while her sister, Rachel, who was beloved by Jacob, could not conceive, at least for a while. And so we see here that in Genesis 29, 31, and 32, we are told that it is the Lord who intervened on Leah's behalf. Let me just read those two verses. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, some translations say hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was unable to conceive. So in other words, God is stepping in and saying, Jacob, Your anger is inappropriate. Your anger is being directed at the wrong person. Your anger is not to, should not be towards Leah. And as a result of that, I am intervening in your home situation and I am going to show favor to Leah. So this is exactly what happened in real life situation today where people who are carrying unresolved emotions of the past, that they displace these emotions on the wrong people. So that's the second point. Emotions are displaced on the wrong people when you haven't worked through past hurt. The third point is that when we haven't dealt with past emotional pain, we allow others to walk over us. 
We see that Jacob never learned to be assertive because of his controlling mother. And so what happened? He ended up with a controlling employer, his father-in-law, who employed him. And Jacob allowed Laban to take advantage, to take financial advantage of him. So in Genesis chapter 31, verse 40, we finally hear the hurt and the pain of Jacob being expressed at the point where he's trying to escape from his father-in-law. He said to him, the heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for the 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages 10 times. If God, my father, the God of Abraham and and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. So we see Jacob here venting of how Laban had treated him. But But Jacob is the one who remained in that situation for 20 years because he did not deal with the paid emotional dysfunction that he suffered at the hands of his mother. And that dysfunction was what also made him powerless to stand up to a controlling and deceptive employer, his father-in-law. The fourth point is that when we have dealt with the demons of our past, we make irrational decisions. Jacob at some point became tired of being taken advantage of, and so he's now planning to leave. But the way that he's leaving doesn't make a lot of sense. It 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 speaks of someone who is acting out of an emotional space. So here we have in Genesis 31 that Jacob is now told by God that he is to go back to his homeland. And so what Jacob is doing is that he's now thinking, I need to flee from Laban. And he's running from Laban with women, a large flock of animals, and he has children and his two wives with him and he has camels and he's he thinks he's going at a hundred miles per hour escaping in the middle of the night but he's going at a snail pace and he has to cover a distance of five hundred miles to get back to Beersheba so what is he thinking how are you going to escape with women and children and livestock in such a way that Laban wouldn't find out. And so he took off and in three days, Laban realized that he was gone. And even though he had three days head start ahead of Laban, it took Laban seven days to catch up with him. So in other words, he's been irrational. Instead of having a talk with Laban and said, you know what, I'm going back home. I can't take this, what is happening here anymore. He thinks that he has to flee in the middle of the night in a secretive way. And why is he doing that? Because the trauma of him fleeing from his brother Esau has never been worked through. And so he's repeating the same pattern of thinking, if I am in danger, I have to flee from my life. And so it is that women who are in battered relationship, in relationship where they are battered and beaten, sometimes see 
any kind of conflict as a, as a threat and they will feel as if they have to run away or flee home situations when in fact it's just a verbal argument that they're having with their new partner. So we, we tend to make irrational decisions when we haven't worked through the things of our past. Jacob should have known that he could not travel 500 miles with women and children without Laban catching up with him. The fifth point is that trauma affects our spirituality. We may think that our spirituality is separate and apart from the trauma that we have suffered, but trauma affects our spirituality. And here are a few ways trauma affects our spirituality. Trauma makes it hard for us to trust that God will protect and take care of us. So, because of psychological abuse and deception of a controlling mother, we see that Jacob felt that he had to lie and steal to get God's blessings. So, think about that. The God of holiness, the God who his command is not, is for us not to steal and for us not to lie. Jacob actually felt that he was practicing his spirituality and getting God's blessing by stealing and lying. And this is, this is how trauma affects our spirituality because he's not thinking rational. He's acting out of an emotional pain, out of a dysfunction that's caused by his own situation. So similarly today, people sometimes try to justify irrational or questionable behavior using God as an excuse. For example, someone whose trauma makes them afraid of conflict may avoid someone they have a conflict with saying that God has told me to cut that person out of my life. How about having a talk with the person and letting them know what boundaries you're going to put in place if they're if they continue to treat you a certain way. If you have trauma in your life you will that makes you avoid conflict, you can use your spirituality as a way to make excuses for not being assertive. So we see that Jacob's trauma also affected how he interpreted God's word. Notice that God did say to him that he was to leave his uncle Laban. In Genesis 31 verse 3 we read, And the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your father and to your relatives, and I will be with you. That was God's only words, specific words to Jacob. But how did Jacob interpret that through the lens of his trauma? Jacob interpreted that to mean he had to flee secretly from his uncle Laban. God never told Jacob to flee for his life out of fear because God specifically said in those verses, words to him that I will be with you. In other words, I will protect you, Jacob. You have nothing to fear. I'm going to see that you go back. I'm going to be with you. But because of his trauma, he could not hear that. All he heard was, you have to flee secretly from your uncle Laban like you fled from your brother who was trying to kill you. So this is how trauma 
uh, distorts how we hear and interpret God's Word. So we have quickly come to the end of today's show. Next week's show, we are going to be talking about practical steps for conquering those demons of your past so that you do not end up repeating the patterns and make the mistakes that Jacob made here in this passage that I have highlighted. I want to thank you for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. I want to remind you that we are not for profit organization, so if you have not yet contributed to this ministry, please consider doing so by making a donation at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's ministry.com. I also want to take this opportunity to, to remind you that we have over 300 podcasts like this one on our YouTube channel. And so if you would like to get more resources to help you on in any specific area, there are so many topics that we have there. You can you can listen to these topics by 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 Googling Elim Counseling Services YouTube and you will see our channel. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.